Are you ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL podcast. Anthony here with you in this special edition episode. I was saying that I was going to be releasing on Fridays, but apparently big news drops Thursdays. Today we are being joined by the newly re-signed and extended Braylon Addison of the Ottawa Red Blacks. He popped in as he signed his big extension this morning. So we're going to get to our chat with Braylon, but first let's listen to some news. Corey Mace and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have officially announced the coaching staff for the 2024 seasons. For the offense, it's Edward Harrison will have the offensive line. Former Calgary Stampeder receivers coach Markway McDaniels returns to the CFL. He'll be coaching the receivers in Saskatchewan. Anthony Vitale will be doing the running backs. Then on the defensive side, Josh Bell is going to be the pass game coordinator and defensive backs. Philip Daniels is going to have the defensive line. J.C. Sherritt is going to have linebackers and run game coordinator. Our friend Jordan Lennon, former running back coach for the Edmonton Elks, will be the defensive assistant. Special teams, Jeff Higgins is the assistant special teams coordinator. And of course, we already know the big offensive coordinator news. Mark Mueller is heading out to Saskatchewan as well with his friend. And the special teams coordinator is Kent McGarry. So Saskatchewan is going to have a really great coaching staff, and they're already starting to build that team together. The Calgary Stampeders are working ahead to retain one of their key pieces of their defense. The Stamps have signed national linebacker Cameron Judge to a contract extension. The team announced this on Monday. The new agreement now runs an additional year through 2025. Judge has been the team's nominee for the CFL's Most Outstanding Canadian Award each of his two seasons as a member of the Red and White. He was acquired in, by the Stampeders in a trade from Toronto in February of 2022. In a somewhat surprising move, the Edmonton Elks have traded American defensive lineman Jake Ceresna and the rights to American running back Kalen LeBourne to the Toronto Argonauts for Canadian receiver Curly Gittens Jr. and a 7th round pick in the upcoming draft. Ceresna made 48 tackles and 12 sacks in 2023, setting a new career high in both categories along with one forced fumble. Gittens Jr. made 35 receptions for 416 yards and a touchdown with the Argos this past season. A hip injury ended his season after 10 games in September. The Ottawa native had his best campaign in 2022 with McLeod Bethel-Thompson at quarterback, making 81 catches for 1,101 yards and 5 touchdowns. Of course, Bethel Thompson is now the new franchise quarterback for the Edmonton Elks, so this move really does make sense for Edmonton. It was just kind of surprising to see Ceresna leaving town. The BC Lions started out their big receiver haul by re-signing receiver Keon Hatcher through 2026. The 6'1", 212-pound target made 78 receptions for 1,266 yards and 6 touchdowns over 14 regular season games in 2023 and was named CFL All-Star. He racked up a career-high 195 yards in the West Semi before suffering an Achilles injury against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the West Final. 
Batman returns to the BC Lions as well as they announce Alexander Hollins has signed an extension that keeps him with the club through 2025. Hollins was eligible to become a free agent on February the 13th. The 27-year-old Hollins enjoyed a breakout performance last season, earning a Western Division All-Star selection after hauling in 78 receptions for 1,173 yards and 9 touchdowns to lead all Lions. Hollins' 78 receptions tied him with Keon Hatcher for the team lead. The third Lions receiver to get signed was Javon Katoy as he got signed to a 3-year extension through 2026. Katoy was also eligible to become a free agent right away. Katoy made more strides in 2023 with 57 receptions for 807 yards and 4 touchdowns, establishing new career highs in each category. The big target then hauled in 6 catches for 63 yards and a touchdown in the West semifinal win over Calgary. In other BC Lions news, they have released receiver Dominique Rimes. The move came mere hours after the club signed fellow receiver Alexander Hollins to his contract extension. Rhymes made 35 receptions for 535 yards and 6 touchdowns over 10 games this past season. He missed 8 games due to injury, including a 6-game stint due to a knee injury in August and September. The 30-year-old native of Miami, Florida, broke into the CFL as a member of the Ottawa Red Blacks in 2017 and spent 3 seasons with the team. He signed with BC as a free agent in 2020 and was named a CFL All-Star in 2022. But it did not take long for Dominique Rhymes to find a new home as the Ottawa Red Blacks have agreed to terms on a contract with him. The two-year deal is reportedly worth some money, which we're not going to talk about because there has been some conflicting stories as to what it is, so we're going to wait for that to come out later. Rhymes does live in Ottawa, as we talked about last year when he was on the podcast, during the offseason and has done so since his first stint with the Red Blacks. He is going to be returning home and he is going to be lighting up the East Division yet again, but he's bigger and better than last time and he's going to have a lot of support in the receiver room with him. And staying with the Red Blacks, they announced today that they have extended American receiver Braylon Addison, who we're going to be talking to right away, keeping the All-Star receiver in the nation's capital through 2024. And finally in the news, again those Ottawa Red Blacks made a big deal today with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Bombers have traded quarterback Drew Brown to the Ottawa Red Blacks for a 5th round pick in this coming draft. Brown was scheduled to become a free agent this year, and by trading for him, General Manager Sean Burke can negotiate a contract with Brown prior to the market opening. That allows Burke to know his salary cap space with a presumptive number 1 QB solidified. The 26-year-old attempted only 14 passes in his rookie season as a third stringer behind Zach Caleros and Sean McGuire. He took over the primary backup job with the Bombers in 2022 and made his first career start late in the season throwing for 325 yards with three touchdowns and two interceptions in a 40-32 loss to the BC Lions. That is it for the big news happening this week. When we come back, we will be talking to Ottawa Red Blacks wide receiver Braylon Addison. Today's guest comes to us from our nation's capital as a member of the Ottawa Red Blacks. He is a CFL All-Star and a CFL East Division All-Star. Joining us as he just signed a big one-year extension with the Red Blacks, former Oregon Duck star Braylon Addison. Welcome. Hey, Anthony, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. First of all, congratulations on the extension with the Red Blacks. How long has the extension talks been happening? 
Uh, so it's, it's a little bit of process after the season ends, um, you know, kind of goes quiet until uh, the season is officially over the great cup. And then, you know, they go to a couple clinics and things like that. So it, um, it kind of just came in the last, I would say a couple of days to be honest, because, you know, um, it's getting close to the time to where people can start tampering with, you know, pending free agents and things of that nature. So, you know, I imagine that you'll see a lot more teams starting to announce signers and things like that. So it really just came in, you know, the last couple of days or so. What made you decide that Ottawa was the place for you to go back to in 2024? Uh, I think, you know, coming here last year, right before training camp started after being released from Hamilton, um, <clears throat> not knowing what to expect. Uh, I think, you know, coming to training camp, just seeing the roster that they put together last year, I felt like it was a roster that when you look at it on paper, it could have done a lot of things. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the, the business of football, so many injuries and things of that nature and, you know, ending up on <clears throat> what would be a, the fourth string quarterback, Dustin Crumb, who did an awesome job this past year. Uh, you know, when you when, when things like that happen, it's kind of unfortunate, but you know, when I arrived, I kind of saw what they were trying to build. And I kind of saw, like, you know, certain guys in the locker room that kind of had the same DNA and mentality that I have. And, you know, I, I know Berkey, Berkey. And, you know, after, you know, getting to know Coach Dice for a year, and, um, you know, obviously my history with Tommy Condell and then, you know, having being coached by Travis Moore this year, I thought that, you know, for for me being able to come back this year fully healthy, coming in the training camp and giving myself – you know, that, that year, that first year of really injury-free coming to training camp since 2019, uh, I thought it was a no-brainer just to come back to Ottawa and try to, you know, uh, help build something. So we're going to get back to Ottawa here in a minute. You're originally from Missouri City, Texas, and you went to one of the top colleges in the country, played for the Oregon Ducks, my personal favorite college in the American system. How mm -hmm. did the opportunity come about to go play in Oregon? Uh, so, you know, uh, at the time, like around the time when I was in high school, I, I graduated in 2012, you know, Oregon was like just coming back onto the map. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the Joy Harrington days and other days like that. And then you got the Dennis Dixon days and then, you know, kind of a little bit up and down. Then, you know, <clears throat> one of my favorite guys ever, Jeremiah Masoli, um, his days and passing them on on to Darren Thomas, um, so, like, Oregon was always kind of, like, in the spotlight, you know, not as the top dog. But then, you know, once that Chip Kelly era began, like, they became, like, known as a, a national powerhouse. And obviously, you know, everybody sees the, the uniforms and things like that. So, being a 18-year-old kid, they had always kind of been on my radar. But uh, I was originally committed to Texas A&M um, prior to actually switching to go to Oregon. Um, so, it, it was just really – they had been recruiting one of my good friends, one of my closest friends. His name is Chance Allen. We went to Oregon together. They had been recruiting him for a while. And, uh, you know, I guess because uh, I was already committed, but he wasn't yet committed. He just had a lot of offers coming in. And uh, they had been recruiting him for a while. And then I guess, you know, through the grapevine of them recruiting him, they heard that, like, I was potentially going to um, decommit from Texas A&M. And, you know, they kind of, like, recruited us together type of thing. So, um really was just about them already being interested in a friend who I was close with and, you know, kind of noticing me also. They have a rich history of many, many players, including yourself. I mean, you mentioned at the quarterback position, talked about Masoli, but there's also the Marcus Mariotas and, mm -hmm. you know, the Justin Herberts. Mm -hmm. How was your time playing for the Ducks? Uh, it was awesome, man. It was like, uh, to explain the atmosphere, especially on game day, 
it's like it's it's hard to actually understand it unless you've been a part of it, especially when uh like when you look at the stadium and you see like it's not really a huge stadium and we don't we don't get the like the Brian Denny stadiums, the hundred thousands, and you know, University of Texas, they get hundred thousand, you get the eighty thousand. We don't get those, we get a an average of about a good thirty to thirty-five thousand each weekend, um, which is still a lot, but it's not packed like those Big Ten and those SEC and some of those Big Twelve stadiums. Um, but the way the stadium is built and how crazy the fans are about the Ducks is like an atmosphere that you probably you, you probably get like four schools or five schools in the whole country that is like that, and uh, they they go nuts for for their ducks <laughs> so um like I said you know just being a kid coming from Texas and playing big time football in high school and you know going to Eugene and then being able to be a part of that atmosphere it's actually like it's, it was pretty cool to like see how the atmosphere was when I got to Eugene what did you take while you were going there uh I took sociology I was a sociology major okay how mm -hmm. important is it because you hear a lot of players talk about you know I played football and I went to this program and I played in this program but how mm -hmm. important as a college athlete to get that education uh, it's super important I think you know it's every kid's dream obviously it's like oh, I want to be a pro ball player like you know every every kid's dream um but unfortunately like you know like many guys that I played with and played against like it doesn't it doesn't happen it's only like a small 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 percentage of guys that go on to play pro ball um let alone the cfl and especially the nfl you know what i mean um so you know the, the old cliche saying when they say you know get your degree because you know only a certain percentage is gonna make it to the professional football leagues and they're always talking about the nfl um it's real you know um i was i was a guy since i was a kid i had been you know playing at the highest level i was always highly ranked i went out into oregon i did well at oregon and you know even my nfl dream didn't work out so um I think it is important for when, you know, people tell you like to get your degree because like along the way you make so many connections and you see so many people and you know so many people and um, you get to play with so many people and football is like, it, I hate to use the word fraternity, but it's such a small fraternity to where like, if you play with somebody, they know somebody who you know, or you know somebody who they know, or it's just a small world. So, you know, being able to have that degree and if you like have a passion for whatever sport you're in, it could be basketball, soccer, tennis, whatever it may be. Um, I think it allowed like in your education allows you to like be able to still have a chance to do something you love, even though it might not be actually playing professional sports. But like, I know a lot of people that, you know, they didn't need to become professional uh, players, but they still are working in a professional sport. Like they may be doing media for the team or scouting for the team or something away. I just feel like it opens more doors for you to be able to have that degree. It's very true. And, you know, football is very much a who, you know, I have this podcast, but I also do work in football operations in the mm -hmm. CFL as well, mm -hmm. but I would never have gotten to where I got to without knowing people. So it, you know, it's a lot of skill. Yes, but it's also a lot of who, you know, and the connections that you make along the way. Right. You did mention the NFL. So, you know, after some time with the NFL, how did your mm -hmm. path to Canada and the CFL come about? Um, so it was actually funny. I, I got released from the Chicago Bears. It's my last team I was playing for. And uh, I was just sitting around, like, not knowing what I was going to do next. And, you know, I still – I've always had passion to play football. Like, I've never – even when, you know, I was sitting around and I didn't have a job, uh, I still wanted to play. And so I just remember um, <clears throat> Spencer Zimmerman reaching out to me one day 
And uh, he called and he was like, hey, man, this is Spencer Zimmerman, Zimmerman from the Toronto Argonauts. And the only team that I had heard of in the CFL prior to that, like that day was uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh, Montreal. So I had never, I had never uh, heard of any other team. Like I knew about Montreal because of Ocho Cinco. And then the reason I knew about Saskatchewan is because of uh, Ron Carter's one-hand catch that went, on, went viral on ESPN. So that's the only two teams I knew that even exist in Canada. And so when uh, Zimmerman first reached out to me, like I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, is this a joke? Like, you know, I'm, I don't even know what this is. So, you know, I answered the phone and we get on the phone call and he's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, I think I was either on their neck list at the time or they got me off of somebody else's neck list or whatever, however it went down. But uh, he was saying that they wanted to bring me in. And so, like I said, I, I've always wanted to play. Like, and I didn't care if it was, you know, for millions of dollars or whatever, whatever or not, because um, I just love playing football. And uh, I think I ended up going to Florida for like a mini camp they had to for them to kind of like get a look at me and sign me and things like that. And that's just kind of how I ended up. Like they had, they, I think Spencer told me that day he thought I retired from football. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was kind of weird how they found me, but they ended up finding me and, you know, the rest was history. I ask a lot of receivers this, especially American receivers. Mm -hmm. uh, was there any difficulty acclimating to the Canadian game? Of course, you know, the waggle. Right. Uh, yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, like, as far as the adjustments go, I think every I think every receiver when they first get up here, like, obviously, getting used to how, how much bigger the field is, I think is, like, what's my number one thing. It's, like, not that it's, like, a problem of how big the field is, but, like, just remembering that you can keep running. Like, because, you know, down south, that's after you break out of a corner route, you know you only got – so, uh, so many steps to the sideline, you know what I mean? Versus in this league, especially in the end zone too, when you run into the back of the end zone, like you're natural as an American player, your natural uh, instincts kick in and you want to stop because, you know, the, ten the end zone down south is only 10 yards deep. But you got that extra 10 yards up here to keep running. And I think that was a big thing that I had to like get adjusted to was like playing in the back of the end zone here. Um, and then also, like you said, you know, the no-brainer, the waggle. Uh <laughs> I think uh, once players can kind of get the wag, get used to using the waggle and learning how to properly use it and how much freedom and creativity you can have with it, I feel like it's it's really a dream, you know. Yeah, you mentioned that you played, you know, you spent some time in Toronto and Hamilton, but you were mm -hmm. really able to show your abilities once you hit Ottawa last mm -hmm. season. You had a big impact on the field once you were able to hit the field. Eight mm -hmm. games, you had 26 catches, 272 yards. You averaged 10 and a half yards per catch and two touchdowns. How did you feel physically getting back out there? Uh, I felt great. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, after the injuries and things like that and being able to, like, you know, not show, you know, I could bounce back from an injury in Hamilton and then releasing me and things like that. Um, coming to Ottawa, man, it was they, it was great. They took care of me when I got here, you know, made sure I was uh, good as far as rehab goes. And, and they took their time. They didn't try to rush me back and, you know, pressure me to go out there before I was ready. So I think that was a big thing for me to – for me to have an opportunity to be honest with myself because um, I think as a player, like, you got to be your biggest critic. And, like, you know, when I first started back practicing, um, you know, I had to watch myself on tape and be honest with myself. It's like, you know, I'm not ready, you know. And then I think once that was allowed for me to be able to have that leniency to be able to look at myself and say, nah, that's not me, 
and give me just, you know, just a couple of extra weeks. I think, you know, they did a great job with that because once I came back, I hit the ground running. Um, I think I came back and it like I felt like I had missed a step. So uh, it was awesome to you know, be able to you know get back and just be back playing and doing what I love again. How hard is that to look at the tape and look in the mirror and say, I can't? Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I think it's uh, at the end of the day, I feel like reality is reality. You know? yeah. And I think that being able to see yourself, because if you can't be honest with yourself, then I think like, you know, everything that everybody else says about you is like, uh, it, it means nothing anyway. So if I can't look at myself and be like, yeah, that's not, I don't, that's not up to par. That's not how I want to be doing something. I want to be doing it better than what I'm seeing right here on film for myself. Then I've, I feel like I've already lost. You know, I, I've always said like, you got to be your own toughest critic. And I think, uh, you know, as an athlete, that's, that's what the great ones do. They, they critique themselves the hardest. Yeah. And in 2023, I mean, there was a lot of injuries, but it was also the very first season for head coach Bob Dice as a head mm -hmm. coach. How mm -hmm. do you feel like he did under the circumstances with those injuries? Uh, I think, you know, if you ask Coach Dice itself, obviously, like, you know, the, win the wins and losses columns, that's what everybody sees. You know, at the end of the day, that's what goes on the Internet. Um, <clears throat> I think he would tell you himself that, you know, it wasn't a successful season when it comes to that. But, you know, for a first-year head coach, um, being able to assume a group of men who, you know, they kind of flipped the roster a little bit this past season and had a whole bunch of new faces come in. And, uh, you know, from especially from people that they expected to impact the game. And uh, I think, you know, not having a lot of those guys that they brought in or having a lot of guys that had been there who were established be healthy for most of the season. Um, I think if you, like, go back and review – the season and review the tape like we were in 97 percent of the games that we played this year you know what I mean like definitely it, like they came down to the last position if not the last play you know so um I think like I said looking at the wins and losses you'll say like this season was a huge failure but I think if you like sit down and watch tape and go back and review the season and see okay, this team was competitive last year. It just, you know, they had a bad hiccup here or they had an injury here or bad luck here or they didn't play too well in this moment. And I think Coach Dice would, should have a – I think he should, you know, it, it's a uh, – what do they say, bittersweet to where, yeah. like, obviously he's mad about the losses. But watching the tape, I think it's a lot to build on. It's a lot to move on going forward, and I think he should be proud of that. And there was an unfortunate revolving door at the quarterback position. I mean, there was Arbuckle. You know, mm -hmm. everyone was waiting for Jeremiah to come back. And then that mm -hmm. was just terrible to see. You know, mm -hmm. Tyree went down as well. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we see Dustin Crum out of nowhere have a huge year. How yeah. how was it playing with him? Uh, it was great. And, and that's, that goes back to what I was saying as far as, you know, yeah. having a roster and expecting it to be a certain weight. I mean, you know, everybody knew that Nick would be the guy until Jeremiah got back. You know, Nick um, battled some injury early. Then, you know, we had to move on to Tyree. Tyree then gets hurt and then Soli comes back and Soli gets hurt. And then you throw this rookie in who's like literally <laughs> never played a CFL game and like literally doesn't know what's going on out here. And, you know, he comes and he shows some promise. And I think, you know, that's a credit to Dustin, uh, the type of guy he is, man. Like, he's he's a special kid. And I think he's going to be special in this league for a long time. Uh, I think, you know, the want to of him wanting to be great. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when you get young quarterbacks, I think 
until they like really, really truly succeeded or truly, truly failed, like you get that kind of, you don't know where to go with them as far as like how their mentality or how, you know, they might be arrogant or they not, might not be vocal enough or being able to command a huddle. And I think, you know, the way Dustin handled things as a rookie, um, I think he showed a lot of promise, you know, like he's a lot, of course, like I said, he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, when I talk about being your own toughest critic, he's one of those guys. So I know he knows that he's got to get a lot better in a lot of areas, but I think he definitely has um, the potential and the talent to, to be something special in this league. A lot of coaches always get worried when a rookie quarterback comes in, you know, Oh, he'll be skittish. He'll be gun shy, whatever. But as mm -hmm. a receiver, are you ever nervous about having a rookie quarterback coming in? Cause you, he's throwing to you. So does it make you nervous that you have to maybe put yourself in dangerous positions to be able to catch the ball or what is a receiver's thought on a rookie quarterback? Uh, I think, it, I think, I think it's not necessarily about, you know, uh, whether he's a rookie or not, I think it's like when you when you're a guy, you're a receiver. First of all, you spend a lot of time with the quarterback. You meet with the quarterbacks a lot, right? And I think when you can see that you have a guy that's that's detail oriented, he wants to get better. He studies film. He does the preparation. He does those does those those things. I think it gives you the confidence to know that okay, I can trust this guy. At the end of the day, this game is about plays made and plays not made. You know what I mean? And I think during the week if you got a rookie or not, you're going to see if he has the ability to make the plays. Like I said, uh, the other stuff as far as if he's prepared, if you can trust him mentally, um, you know, I think that goes into it a lot. But like I said, when when I got in there with Dustin, I had no doubt. I had no fear. You know what I mean? Like I watch him during the week. I watch the throws he makes at practice. I, I've met with him extra to watch film. I've seen him put in the work. Um, you know, it's just about going out and – you know, getting that experience and learning and being able to continue to get better and produce. So at the top of the show, we talked about the big extension. Congratulations again. Um, it was announced this morning that you are coming back to Ottawa in 2024. How right. excited are you to be entering camp healthy and ready? Oh, I'm super excited, man. I just, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, just being around this city for the last year and, and seeing like the fans be disgruntled because of, you know, the, the unsuccessful season of the past couple of years. Um, like as a player, I, I feel that. And I'm the type of person, like um, I, I'm a winner at heart. I like to win. I hate to lose. So um, I'm excited to be able to come into camp healthy and be able to be a piece that can to help try to change and build something. Um, even if it's, you know, you know, being a better leader or being able to, uh impact winning that's that's what really i should say i just i'm excited to be able to come in and try to impact winning um this city these fans you know the people around the building uh you know you walk in the building on game day and, and the security the security guards the janitors everybody like we're talking to everybody all the time you know what i mean so um it's not like you know it's not like it's just the players and the coaches that that matter um you know these people in this city and the fans in this city deserve it so I'm excited just to be able to, to, to come back and, and try to impact winning. It's been a busy morning and day for you today so far. There's been a lot of talk already about how scary that receiver room is looking like now with your extension and mm -hmm. the addition of former Lion receiver and former Red Black Dominic Rhymes. Mm -hmm. What is the what has the day been like for you today since, you know, I know you signed yesterday, but it was officially right. announced today. What's mm -hmm. today been like for you? I mean, it was like, you know, I'm on social media, like, you know, responding to everybody, 
uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then all of a sudden, like across the top of my phone, like, you know, I see uh, we traded for Drew Brown and I see, you know, we signed Dominique. Um, so it's been it's been a whirlwind, to be honest with you. Um, I'm excited, though. Two guys that, you know, I've watched like I'm, I watch football a lot. I watch the CFL a lot. I watch the tape a lot. Um, Dominique, he's a special player. He's, he's going to be good for us. He's going to help us a lot. Um, and then, you know, like I said, Drew Brown's one of those guys I'm talking about who's young, who he showed promise. He showed the potential. Um, you know, now it's not now it's going to be about, you know, how much how great does he want to be? Like, you know, how much film does he study? Is he telling me, hey, let's meet after practice. Let's, you know, talk about these things, you know, because what I've seen from him on tape, uh, it's nothing but great things. So um, I know the league is excited to see, you know, what he'll do. Um, I know. I'm excited to 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 be in a room with with Dominique and you know the other guys that we're bringing back and that we're going to bring back. Um, so it, it was an exciting morning for me. Like I said, it was a whirlwind just seeing all of it happen at once, but it was exciting. Have you talked to Rhymes at all yet today? No, I have not. I have not. I've, I've I'm typically one of those guys that like you know because I'm the type of guy when something happens big in my life, I like to like get all the thank yous out and then I gotta like I gotta decompress for like at least a day and then like boom, I'm ready to talk to people. So. Um, I'm sure I'll talk to him in the in the next couple of days uh, and, and get to catch up with him. Like I heard he's a local guy, so yes, yeah, he was on my he was on this podcast last year when okay. he yeah when he signed with uh, his when he signed his extension with BC last BC. year, and okay. we talked about his days in Ottawa. Uh, mm-hmm. Another big thing talked about today. You talked about the big trade for Drew Brown, the right. quarterback room, right? We've got Jeremiah Masoli, we've got Tyree Adams, plus mm-hmm. you know Dustin Crum. And mm-hmm. Jeremiah, you know, very four de- very different quarterbacks potentially mm-hmm. throwing you passes this year. Mm-hmm. How scary is that list of quarterbacks if everyone stays healthy? And just what? How is that battle going to be in training camp for number one? Oh man, it's going to be exciting. Um, I'm, I've always been a guy that believes like um, the stronger the room is, the better the team is. You know, I'm a guy that believes in competition, and the cream has to rise to the to the top. Um, you know, if you got a room full of guys who's who's all good players, and you know, you get four or five. Speaking of a receiver room, you got a, a room that's a guys that's full of great players, and you get four or five guys to rise to the top and be the best unit you put out there on the weekend. You know, you're you're pretty happy. You pretty you like your chances. So um, when it comes to a deep quarterback room, and you got guys like Jeremiah Mazzoli, who's been proven as you know a great player in this league you know battle injury like myself the last couple of years I know he's going to be hungry I know he's going to be motivated um you got a guy like Drew Brown who's been behind Zach learning um like we've seen a lot of the NFL quarterbacks do like i.e. Jordan Love i.e. Yep. Patrick Mahomes um you know he's been learning behind Zach and he's he's been a part of championship teams he's played in games um I'm sure like I said he's going to be ready to, to show okay I'm ready to be the guy you got a guy like Dustin Crum who, you know, came out of nowhere that nobody expected to be anything. And he showed promise. And, you know, now he's going to be in a quarterback competition. Um, I know he's going to be motivated. I know Dustin. I know the type of guy he's He's going to be motivated. Then you got Tyree, who, like I said, he's battling, He's coming off an injury like myself. I know how that road has been. I know how when you're coming off an injury and, you know, it seems like everybody forgot about you. And, you know, they, they counted me out because I'm, I'm coming off an injury. I know he's going to come back motivated. So um, I think, you know, when you get a, a room full of guys that have something to prove and have something to play for and have something to keep compete for, uh, I would love to see the guy who comes out on top of that and see what he's going to do. Cause 
like I said, he's going to have to scratch and claw just to be named the guy. You know what I mean? So you can only praise and be happy to to see what he's going to do going forward, going from there. How hard is it to come back from that Achilles injury as a receiver? Uh, I think it's tough. Um, you know, and, and mine was a little unique because, you know, I, I tore it, had surgery August of 22. And then literally a month and a half later, I fell down the stairs and re tore it again in October. So uh, I had two surgeries in two months. Uh, just for that one Achilles, and uh, so it was. It was pretty tough for me. So that I, I made it back, you know, to play less than a year from my second surgery. So I, I had surgery in, uh, August of 2022. Then I had surgery again of October of 2022, and then I was back playing in August of 2023 and back practicing in July of 2023. So, um, you know, I was I was blessed and happy to be able to to come back from it. But man, it, it was a grind. It was like. I was just, I was on the phone with Sherrod Baltimore right before I got on here. And uh, I was just talking to him and telling him like the last few months or so, I've been like kind of just resting, like decompressing. Like I haven't done nothing football wise, like just been doing stretching and pushups and things like that. But like, like I haven't looked at a football, I haven't looked at a weight room, anything like that. Cause I just needed time to like really decompress. Cause over the last basically two years, I literally haven't had time to like, relax or take a vacation or anything like that because I literally was just rehabbing um and then I went straight into a football season and you know how grinding how grueling and grinding that is so uh I think you know I, I got a special place in my heart for like people who come back from you know ACL injuries or Achilles injuries or you know injuries like that because it's definitely a tough road you talked about you know decompressing and stuff like that how important is it to not only come back physically ready <laughs> but mentally ready after that kind of an injury yeah, um, it's definitely it's definitely a thing that's not talked about a lot uh, as far as like the, the mental hurdle you got to, you know, get over there to be able to come back and perform. Um, I think, you know, what's funny is speaking for myself, I think like once you get cleared and come back and like able to play, I think that's the least like, how can I explain it? It's like that's the least mentally grueling part of it to me because it's like now you just everything is reaction. Everything is like, you're just reacting now, you know what I mean? Versus in rehab, like it's literally just you and the therapist there and you're doing something they're telling you like, okay, go down into this motion. And then it's like, you know, you're slowly going down into the position where like, for me, where I tore my Achilles last year, like my ankle went into dorsiflexion and like the physical therapist is telling me like, Hey, so like get down in this position. I got to slowly watch myself do it. I feel like that's more of a mental hurdle than just actually playing the game. Um, so I think like, you know, for those months where I was rehabbing and then when I finally got the opportunity um, to go and like practice, it was like, okay, I'm practicing. All right, let me see if I can do this. Let me see if I can do that. And then by the time you get clear for a game, like it's like, I'm just ready now. Like I'm anxious, you know what I mean? So. That's awesome. You're coming back into camp the 2024. You're healthy. You're ready. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be wearing number zero again? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, nobody big dogs me for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the plan is to still be wearing number zero. Where does number zero come from for you? Uh, actually, it's funny. Um, I was a big Gilbert Arenas fan when I was a kid. And then, uh, you know, watching Russell Westbrook. And like, I just like both of those guys' mentality. And, you know, um, I think zero is just a number. Like, I always thought it's been a cool number. But like, when I was, you know, coming up, it wasn't a number you wore in football. Um, but I always thought it was unique because it's like a, it's not really a number, you know what I mean? It's not really like, you know, the going joke when you were growing up is like the all the attention, the guy who got number one, he wanted all the attention. So 
Um, I used to wear number two a lot in football when I was a kid because I didn't want to seem like, oh, I want number one. But then, like, I wanted a cool number with when I thought, I thought two was a cool number. So I always would say when I was a kid, like, damn, if I could wear zero, I'd wear zero because it's still the smallest number, but nobody could say, like, oh, he thinks he's the stuff because it's not number one. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of where it came from. It was a mixture of that, and then it was a mixture, of, like I said, being a fan of, of Gilbert Arenas and, you know, him having the name Asian Zero. Um, I always thought that would be cool to, like, have that name in football. So as soon as I could get the, the number zero, I, I jumped into it. So last question for you today. I know you're super busy. You got a lot going on. What are you looking forward to the most going into 2024? And what can we expect to see from number zero? Uh, like I said, I'm just looking for the opportunity to come in and, and impact winning. Um, you know, I think I, like I'm a, I'm an active guy on social media. Um, I, like I said, I'm watching football. I'm watching NFL. I'm watching CFL. I'm, like I'm dialed in and I, I hear and see, you know, the noise and see what people are saying. So, um, like I said, I see the, the disgruntled auto fans and, and things like that. And, you know, as a competitor, like it motivates me. You know what I mean? It's stuff like that that motivates me. I'm a guy like I love motivation. So um, anything I could pick up to motivate me and, and kind of get me going, like I'm I'm excited for the season. I just know myself like when I feel like I'm, I'm being counted out or when I feel like team is being counted out, like. I know that I'm going to try to impact winning this, this, this year and, you know, be able to try to like hope that rubs off on other guys on the teams to where we all come to a common goal of trying to impact winning. So I'm excited for that. And uh, like I said, you said, what can you see for me, man? It's like, it's simple. I just want to impact winning. I think if you watch my CFL career over the last few years, like it hasn't been complete every season because of uh, injury, you know, but I think if you watch the, the tape of me out there on the field, like I impact winning in all ways, not even just when I'm touching the ball, I'm blocking, um, pass protecting, running the ball, catching the ball, whatever it is. Like, I just, I just want to impact winning. That's, that's my thing. That's awesome. You know, the red blacks are looking great this year. Sean Burke has been super busy with some big moves, but no bigger than having that extension for you. Braylon, thank you so much for popping on today. I really appreciate it. And I can't see, or I can't wait, sorry, to see what you do this year. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. That was our conversation with CFL star receiver in the Ottawa Red Blacks, Braylon Addison, as he just signed his brand new extension this morning, and he stopped by to talk about it. Thanks, Braylon, for coming out. We really appreciated chatting with you today. And that is it for us this week. You can find us on Millions for our first time ever, millions.co. Around the CFL podcast is where you can find us. You can find our merch store there. You can find our brand new episode for this episode here today there, and a lot of other things. You can also find us on Instagram, X, and Threads at Around the CFL Podcast. And you can still listen to every episode on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, iHeart, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. If you're enjoying the show, please go ahead and keep leaving those five-star reviews. I love seeing them. Next week, we're going to be back with a very special surprise guest. I'm not going to say who it is, but it's going to be a big one. Well, that is it for us this week, and we'll see you later. Thank you.